אני מקשר עצמנו לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של דורנו לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שאוכל נאפה לקדוש שמשה בארץ המה. או בבחינת רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם לאחד עולם לחוכמה רבנו נחמן נפי ינה נחמה נחמן נאומן. זכו אותם תגידנו לנו כל ישראל אמן. אוקיי. לדעתי שרל הנדל, אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
Who knows? Bezrat Hashem. Maybe next year we'll, we'll do a class on another mitzvah because the truth is it's infinite. The way Rabbi Nathan and Rabbeinu go into this, it's Mamash something very special. But I wanted tonight to go into a piece in Nikut Arachot with regard to basically the first mitzvah of this week's parasha. Now Rabbeinu has a Torah on the first pasuk of this week's parasha. Ve'elem ha'mishpatim asher tasim lifnehem. These are the laws that you shall set before them. Rabbeinu lesson 7 of Likut Moran explains this pasuk according to the soul, what it really means, and how it has to do with the aspect of tefillah, prayer, nisim, miracles, emunah, um, I believe, and Eretz Yisrael. Um, how these are all connected ideas. Now, we're not going to speak about that, because that's for a lesson in Yikotim for another time. And I think we've touched upon this many times in many different classes. We want to speak about the first mitzvah this week, Pasha, which I'll give a background. I'll read inside the Torah and then we'll, we'll explain. And David's going to also give some ideas about this idea because it's very deep. When one acquires, if one acquires a Jewish slave, he shall work for six years as a slave. And on the seventh year, he shall go out free. To his freedom. No payment, nothing, just go out. If he goes single, he and he leaves. If he comes out, sing, if he's there single, he comes in single. He leaves out single. He leaves single. If he marries a woman, then he also goes out with his wife. There's lots of different stuff. If he comes in with his wife, then he leaves with his wife. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then it continues. If a, this master gives him a wife. And he has kids or daughters. The kids and the daughters and the wife, and the wife stay with stay wow. with the master. But he leaves. And he leaves. Yeah. All these mitzvot of this week's parasha so make no sense. Yeah, I'll tell you. They actually make zero sense. So I can't even tell you. You go to the next one. Everything <laughs> makes zero sense. Zero. <laughs> yeah, if you With, kill this person by accident, the, 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 you have to run to a city refuge, all this he stuff. Finds, not that we have slaves like this, yeah. but if he finds a slave, uh, if he's a slave and he marries in, uh, he marries someone, he can leave with the wife. So no, if, if he was married before he went into slavery, yeah. he goes out with his wife, right? The wife yeah. doesn't stay there. But if the master gives him a wife, yeah. and it's not, a, not a, any wife, we're going to speak about the wife that he gives him, yeah. which the Ahizad goes into about um, Sodot of the angels, how he explains this. But you know what this wife that he gives him, which is something no one would ever think of. You know? The master gives him a, a shifcha a, 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 a maidservant cool. that is completely Goya. Yeah, she's a Goy. And you know what? Crazy. He has a mitzvah to marry her. Him and I were both studying this lesson today wow. in two different perspectives. It's crazy. And I asked him what he was going to talk about. He's like, I think I'm going to talk about the one with the slave. I was like, I would like to talk about that too. So he's yeah. actually, him and I both prepared ways of looking at so this through the teaching of Rabbeinu. The master, yeah, it, it's crazy. The so let's, master, re, let's repeat to make sure that it's clear. Right? The slave is a Jew. If a Jew, the slave if a is a Jew. Jew. This is all about Jew. Jew. He, mar he marries a non-Jew. Yep. Come on, bro. Then he's allowed to marry it. This is allowed according to the Torah. He has kids with her. The kids and the wife the stay. And the wife stay and he but he leaves as a free man. What's going on? And then in the next pasuk, by the way, it says if he decides to stay, and if it's then Jewish he has woman. to pierce his ear again. No, not a Jewish woman. He's already married to a Jewish woman. He's married to a Jewish woman. And he gives her another wife. How does this make any sense? We don't know. Rabbi Nathan, by the way, Rabbi Nathan asks all these questions. This is the most. Why is it? 
the beginning of the Torah. Why is it that he is given a non-Jewish wife? Should yeah. be given another Jewish wife? And why isn't he given? Why is he given another wife at all? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It makes no sense. Also and he's also a servant, further. which means this is the first thing that Hashem teaches <laughs> us. Keep in mind, Hashem just gave us the Ten Commandments, and now Hashem is Hashem right now is going to give us the laws that the Jews need to follow as Jews. And this is how he starts. This is the first, this is the second Pesukah of the Parashah, right after we see the Ten Commandments. And this is the next four Pesukim. It explains exactly this story. Mm. It explains exactly this. So, first off, before we get into any of this, tonight I wanted to speak, touch upon the Sinan of Emet. Truth is, I'm not going to be able to get into it. This idea of honesty and truth. Please. What Emet is. <laughs> the truth is, I would love to speak about it. Because it's actually one of the essential concepts of all time. We cannot begin to stress enough how important it is for a person to be a man, to be honest. To be about that? Because we're going to speak about something which is directly related to Emet. Amen. We're going to speak about something which is directly related to Emet, which is Emunah. This is the lesson we're going to get to. We're going to speak about Emunah today. But know that Rabbi Nachman says in Lesson 7, which speaks about Ve'ela and Mishpatim, so it's crazy, the Ashkacha and all this, that Emet and Emunah are dependent upon each other. They cannot exist without one another. So if you have Emunah, you have Emet. Emet can they, only exist with Emunah, and Emunah can yeah. only exist with Emet. Now, obviously, being Emet is one of the most fundamental concepts. You cannot get to Emunah without Emet. Emet is a foundation stone. Obviously, Bereshit, Bara, Lokim, take the last letters of this phrase, you have Emet. Can we talk about, like, what does it mean to be Emet? What is Emet? If I'm not feeling well, I'm gonna, I, I tell Hashem I'm not feeling... So, yes. What is Emet? It means, it means recognition where you are, where you should be. It means understanding that the Torah is completely perfect, that tzaddik is perfect, that you, when you don't see something is right, you know it's a blemish with yourself. So right now, like, there's a, obviously it's a blemish with myself, but I'm saying I can be emet that I have something that I don't feel that something's right. Totally. Yeah. You can be emet and still be blemished. Why? Because at least you know you're blemished. See what I'm saying? You understand that you're not, you understand that you have pride, you understand that you have arrogance, Hashem's you understand that you're far from the tzaddik. Hashem's name is emet. We said it in the Shema. Hashem elokachem emet. Yeah. It's one of the names of Hashem. Torah, Torah, Torah emet. Torah emet. It's one of the main principles that we say. Moshe emet to Torah to emet. The Zohar also says, Yisrael kucha b'richu ve'oraita kol achad. The Zohar says, Yisrael, Hashem ibar, and the Torah are one idea. These three are all emet. Now obviously, each person has to retrieve the inyan of Bnei Yisrael within you. The Yehudi within you, right? That is a myth, completely a myth. The Nishama is completely a myth. Obviously, we fall into different things and things that draw us further away from the Yemet. Our goal is to retrieve it back. Emet is the ultimate light which gets us out of all the darknesses. Rabbeinu says in lesson 9 of the Gutemoran, it brings us out of all the Galuyot, all the exiles in the world. Emet. Yeah. Emet is very simple. Whatever it says in the Torah, Emet. With this, we just read, which is the most perplexing thing of all time, that a Jewish servant who is working for another, what do you call it? A Jewish servant is working for another Jew. This Jew can give his Jewish servant, a non-Jewish maid servant, have kids with her, and then he can leave, they stay. The and wife and the kids. And it's Emet. Emet. Now, the, I'll give you how the Arizal explains this. But also look at the way the beginning of the parasha. If you look at the first, the first five words of this parasha, the first pasuk, so after we see the Ten Commandments, it says, Ve'ele hamishpatim ashartasim lifneem. Look at the first letter of the, of the first pasuk. Vav, vele, hamishpatim hey. Okay, someone have a calculator? Vav, hey, that's 11. Okay. Go. 
And then... Asher, Aleph? No. Let's calculate this. Go for it. Sorry, Eli. Ve'ele, how many I'll do the calculation for you if you want. Ve'ele, this is Vav. Right, it's the first letter. Hamishpatim, hey. Asher? Aleph, one. One. Tassim? Four hundred. Four hundred. Lifnehem, Lamed, is thirty. You get... 442. And if you look at the gematria of Emet, it's 441. Now, Rizal uses as a klal this idea that you can always use the word as a one mm -hmm. difference between a thing whenever you're doing a gematria calculation. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, in the beginning, Hashem being able to give us the mishpatim, the laws that we're about to have, everything that He's about to list for us in all the parshiot, in all the laws, and all the commandments, and all the mitzvot, and everything that we're going to do is Emet. It's the truth of Hashem. In here is the root. For the things that we're going to understand and the things we're not going to understand. For example, when we're going to get eventually to Paraduma, right? Where you're going to start understanding, there's this cow. It's a very special cow. It can have a blemish. It can have been worked. It can have had a load on it. Nothing. If it has two black hairs or anything like that, then after that it becomes Pasur. If it has a problems with its lungs, it has problems with anything. Then you get the ashes of it. The Kohen Gadol, the most pure person that uses it, the second he burns it and uses the ashes to purify someone that's completely impure, he becomes pure and then the Kohen Gadol becomes impure. Mm -hmm. No one understands this at all. I'll tell you another secret. No one understands any of the mitzvot at all in the Torah, period. <laughs> it's just the other things become a little bit more logical. Mm. Oh, so it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I should honor my parents. So mm. that makes sense. So that, that God makes sense there. Mm. God doesn't make sense with the paraduma, but it makes sense over there. Mm -hmm. The truth is that we don't understand any of that method of Hashem. But this is the starting point. So go with it. So, so what we were saying, the essential is to come into this even with all this stuff, all these perplexing laws, to come in this understanding that this is a myth. And that if you don't feel right with something, know that it's because there's something within you that is shekel that's tainting this inyan. But know that the Torah is completely a myth. The Arizal explains this. I'm not going to go into this. He explains this idea of this slave, of Mishpatim, with regard to the angel Metat. It's, it's been two seconds for just that sentence. So, so the, we're going to discuss tonight the first law of this parasha. This first law discusses a Jewish slave, a Jewish servant, right? A Jewish servant becomes a servant to his master who's also Jewish. Now he works for six years, the law is, and on the seventh year, it's like Shemitah year. You don't work the land, the guy goes free, it's free. The guy is out. Now, different turn of events. If the person comes in single, he leaves single. No wife, right? The person comes in married, he leaves with his wife. Now, if the person, let's say, has a wife, right? Because, by the way, this condition that we're explaining is only if the only man has a wife, a Jewish wife. This man is married, right? He goes into slavery to pay off his debt. What happens now? The, the servant, the master, wants to marry his servant, this Jewish servant, this guy. You know what he does? He marries him to a non-Jewish girl, a non-Jewish slave, a non-Jewish maidservant. What we call a non-Jewish maidservant. You know what happens? He can leave on the seventh year. The kids that he has with this non-Jew and the wife stay to serve for the master now. Already, the question is, how can he marry a non-Jew when he's already married to a Jew? Because we already know how big of a it is to, to marry a Goya. We know already it speaks about this in the Torah. Not only that, that the master gives it in, the man is obligated to do it, or not obligated, that he's encouraged, it's a mitzvah. 
But not only that, what happens is <laughs> the man leaves and now his wife ends up staying with his kids. What's going on? Three questions. There's lots of questions here. I can't even explain how many questions. And the <laughs> truth is, I'll be nothing explains it much better than I do. But I, I can say it like this. <clears throat> First off, beginning of Mishpatim, the Zohar says, Mishpatim soda gilgurim. This entire parasha Mishpatim is all the secret of reincarnations. Know that when it's speaking about the, the ox, the, the, the sheep, the, what do you call it? An ox that gores, an ox that doesn't gore. All this stuff is all secrets of reincarnation. Yeah, why did this person come here and stab this person by accident or to throw his axe? And you hear that Gemara about this person was walking and then he accidentally hits the ladder and then this person dies and now he needs to run to a Yermi cut. Chaotic stories of why is it that this person has this sum of money stolen from him? Why does this person have this crazy money? And these stories happen. Like there's things like this that happen today. But there's a lot of chaotic stories that are happening that in this time, which is involves like accidental deaths, things like that, which is even still technically applicable today, but still it asks you all these crazy questions. So obviously the Zohar goes into this explanation, and I mean, Moshe could probably speak about it a little bit more than I can, but Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai essentially on this day, it says in the Zohar, when it's brought down at the very beginning of this parasha, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Elezar, you step outside of the cave, and comes essentially to visit them, this Saba figure, this old man. Okay? We don't understand the text of mysticism behind this because there's different levels of where there's different figures and nishamot and special people that could come to reveal secrets. And he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to reveal essentially right now to you the sod of all these gilgulim, of how this works. And he explained in, in the, in the, the and Rabbi Shemar Yochai essentially explains in the beginning of Spasha how it works with all this type of stuff. There's insane stories of the Arizal, there's insane stories of the Baal Shem Tov that go into crazy stories to give us a little bit of a hint at what it means of how sometimes you're experiencing something in this world that you're only experiencing now. Why did this happen to me? Is only because 250 years ago something happened that you're repairing now. 250, so, I mean, generations before. It could be 250, it could be a week ago, it could be, it could be anything. It could be things that we don't remember, we don't, we don't understand. Wow. It could be 100 years ago, it could be 2,000 years ago. You know? So, so we, we don't really understand, even Shitut, whenever it's explaining this, know that within this Pasuk, and we're going to explain it, we're going to find the connection it has with us today, that it's not really speaking about a slave that we are understanding, because the Torah is forever. The Torah is not just speaking about when this was given 2,000 years ago. <laughs> the Torah is speaking about right now. What's happening right now in 2021, 2022, whatever it is. It's happening right now. And this Pasuk is hinting to us in Avodah that Rabbi Nathan is going to share with us that can only explain within this Pasuk. Now, the Arizal, I'm not going to stay on this, but I just want to show you a little bit of the depth. The Arizal explains this idea as how Metat, the angel Metat, who was Chanoch before he was taken by God and made an angel, um, operate and why they're able to marry a Shifcha Knanit. This idea that Metat is constantly dwelling in the world of Beria and he has a certain angel uh, ca uh, counterpart, female angel counterpart, but sometimes he descends to the world of Yetzira, which is Shifcha Kenanit in comparison to Beria. <coughs> the world Beria is the third world from, it's right under Atzilut, which is Hashem's perfect world, right? It's the highest world that there is of, for intents and purposes. Beria is the world of the Kisya Kavod, God's throne. And Yetzirah is the world of the angels. Metat, this angel, has very special priorities. Hashem makes him run the world. What is that angel? This world? angel dwells in the world of Beria, the world of the throne. Now there's two worlds under it. There's the world of Asiya, which is the lowest world we live in. And right above that is the world of the angels, which is Yetzirah. Atsiya or Atsilut? What's Atsilut? Atsilut is the highest world. Okay. Atsilut, Beria, 
World of the Throne, Yetzira, World of the Angels, Asia, our world. Know that Metat lives in the world of Beria. But you know, sometimes he descends to the world of Yetzira and he actually comes together with another, with another angel there. Which, funny enough, is compared to a Shifcha What does that mean, comes together? It's essentially, a, it's a form of coupling, which they reference, mystically speaking, because it's like the same idea of how God has a masculine presence that can couple with the feminine presence and things like that. It's, there are aspects that allow for, for Shifcha and Bahamut. He almost has a wife. It's like a wife. Why would he come downstairs? Sometimes he has a second wife to couple with another, with another angel. The that that this, very, this is very, the secret. This is yeah, the this secret. Is like this is the secret between why he works for six years, well, why he works for six years, the seventh year he goes free, and what happens if he marries a shifra knanit that he has kids, the kids stay, da, 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 da. that it's his, the way he descends into the lower world and he operates with this thing. Now, if you go to Parashat Mishpatim, you go to I think Sefer Likutim, or if not, if not I'm mistaken, or Likute Torah, I forgot where in the, one of the Sifre Avrizan, he explains this idea. Truth is, I can't even really explain it to you, understand it at all. I'm going to explain it to you according to the way Habinatan explains. Look there if you want in the Avrizan, we, we can even pick it up later. Very deep stuff, very unique Inyanim that he speaks about there with the Inyana Metat. Metat being this sort of Eved, of Hashem. This is angel. That, is Metat the angel that uh, when uh, Rabbi Akiva went Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's the same angel. He's someone else sitting on the throne. He's the main. He's yeah. the main. By the way, he's the main angel of Hashem. Yeah. Hashem utilizes him for everything. In fact, as Zohar says, Hashem doesn't do anything during the six days of the week, six thousand years of creation. You know, Metat controls everything. Hashem gives Metat the entire rule. Who's Metat? What does he do? Metat is this angel, angel that literally takes care of everything. His name is Metat Sarapanim. Metat, the angel of uh, or the officer of faces. Funny enough, Whoa. take metat sarapanim, first letters, metat sarapanim, Moshe. Which means the tzaddik is replacing the angel. The beauty is, is that Moshe Rabbeinu, or the Inan of Rabbeinu, or Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they replace the Inan of metat. They're the ones taking control of everything. So Hashem can sit down, He can tell everything that Rabbeinu, whatever it is, the tzaddikim need to do, because we, we obviously know in Sefer Amidot, the Gemara writes, Hashem consults all the tzaddikim before He does anything in this world. Yeah. Anything. He consults a judge of tzaddikim. So Hashem talks to a human for yeah. advice. In fact, before he created the world, before he created the world, he asked all the tzaddikim whether he should create the world. You want to know? Look in Sefer Amidot in the Gemara. We cannot understand our words. So Hashem, obviously, he's the one manipulating. He's the one doing everything. He's the one pulling all the strings. But he has special categorized you know what I mean he has servants Metat. yeah and there's also by the way in the Gemara it says Rashi comments I forgot which Gemara this is in but Rashi comments and, and essentially gives an explanation that every single person has a ministering angel that protects them this is where the Sinyan comes from that every Jew has an angel that protects them right so when we give the class on Shemot we did this last year on Parashat Shemot this year we did a different class but Parashat Shemot of last year I give a class that explained how Metat was the angel that was protecting Moshe. But because Moshe ended up doing so much of what he actualized to become when he became the Tzadik Yisodolam, he didn't let Mata do anything of his responsibilities in the world. So there's this wild story about how Yehoshua, the student of Moshe, eventually has to allow Matat to finish part of his job that Matat, since the time of Moshe Rabbeinu until when the Jews and Yehoshua eventually reconquered parts of uh, Israel, and when he's on the banks of, Yeric, uh, of Jericho, of Yericho, before entering, there's this process where there's this very weird passage where you see the angel, this random person coming in and saying, I'm the head of the army of God. 
and he tells Yoshua, and there's in the space where there's the pasuk that says that Yoshua has to take off his sandals because he's stepping in holy ground in front of this angel. And Yoshua falls to his face and begins to pray in front of this man and beg for forgiveness. And no one knows who this man is. It doesn't say a name. And this reference is to the same passage as Moshe when he appears in front of the fire to take off his shoes because he's standing in front of a holy person, which he was in front of the Shekhinah Hashem. And it's a reference to the angel that was protecting him. Because Moshe took the Jews and took care of the Jews A to Z and Matat was supposed to help the Jews leave, but Moshe wanted to be so responsible for all the Jews, he didn't let Matat do his job. So then Yehoshua let Matat help the Jews fight the war to enter the Eretz Yisrael. And when Matat did that, he could now elevate himself back up from the lower realms, back to his original place in, in the Olam Abriya, in the upper worlds. Up until then, he didn't finish his job, so he couldn't go back up. So there's these wild ideas about how these angels also correspond to people, but the tzaddik has the capacity, and there's also a, a midrash, but I'm not going to spend too much time because I want to let Moshe go. There's a, there's a midrash that's a wonderful midrash. It's called the midrash de Psikta de Rabati. It's one of the most holy midrashim ever. The Pirke de Rabbi Yezer brings it down as saying this is one of the holiest midrashim that's considered, according to some, the midrash of Moshe from the Torah that he received from Harsinai. It's the highest level of midrash. And in this Midrash, it brings down the story about how Moshe Rabbeinu, and I bring it down in the class I did last week, a year ago, so on Yitro, about a year ago, with Darizan and Rabbi Shimon Barachai and the Zohar, on last week's Parashat Yitro, explaining on the whole process of what happened to Moshe, how he elevated himself through the world to be able to go receive the Torah. And all the angels he has to pass through and fight with to be able to go receive the Torah. That all of these angels and these mystery angels, some angels are 500,000 times the size of Moshe. But he uses different names of Hashem to be able to defeat them, to be able to go to the next level. And he has to go through all these different types of things. It's, it's incredible when you think about all the spheres and all the worlds and everything that exists on a spiritual level beyond what we understand what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Beyond what's happening here. That's so far beyond our comprehension. It's so infinite. And it gives us actually so much hope that the world is so infinite that we're only living in a microcosm, in a small blimp of a second in compared to all the infiniteness of what God has created and what our purpose is in all of it. But it's definitely not our derech to go up there. It's not our job. We're supposed to be in the world. You know? Exactly. No, it's not at all, actually. But there is a lesson. Lesson one of Yikutim Aran part two. <laughs> it's funny. Which explains the story about how Moshe Rabbeinu went to get the Torah and how there's the argument from the Gemara about how the angel says, how is there a man amongst us? And Moshe says, they're going to burn me with their fire, yeah. with their breath, which is fire, which are angels that are serifim. These are angels made up of fire completely. They can burn people completely with their existence. In fact, in the Midrash, it brings down a story about how this one angel, he said, I'm so scared that just his breath is going to burn me completely, right? And then, Rabbi Nachman explains in that Torah how the purpose of man, because man stems from the Kisak Avod, which is in the world of Beria, like Moshe was explaining. But angels mostly stem, most angels, there are some angels that are higher, but there are some, most angels stem from the world of Yetzirah, which is the world of formation. And we are in the world of Asiya. That means our root comes from higher than where angels are. So what Rabbein was trying to explain is he says actually part of what we're supposed to do in this world is actually to rise above angels. But in a worldly matter. In a worldly matter. He says the exactly. Not to be flying all day and doing what do for nine hours, you know? He you can't do that. He's body do is a tachlit within itself. He's body do is a way. You gotta be in the world. Like, no, that's fine. You can't be. But you're gonna get to a level. We're not telling you to do Kabbalah Ma'asit. No, we're yeah. telling you to do what. There's a difference between you can be people right that can do meditations that allow them to reach different levels. No, for, for example, sure, for people sure. that have Ruach HaKodesh, they have reached a certain level in their Neshama where they have no physical temptation anymore for basic desires in this world. Basic desires. It's not that, it's not, there are different temptations that a person can have in the physical world, but on the basic level. It means there's no basic desire anymore. He sees a woman, there's any temptation towards that at all. There's nothing like that. 
This allows for him to evolve to a different level of his nishama, that allows for a different level of ruach to come in. And this is where a person gets essentially this idea of this special ruach that he can see, Hashem, where he can see different types of revelations that occur to him. You now, all these things, yeah, of course, just to come full circle, yeah, is that all these things, while they're very, very deep, all these things just have to do with different levels of the nishama and different attainments that a person can have. Rabbi Nachman says that a person can attain all these levels in terms of their heights and in terms of their revelation of God in the simplest mitzvot, by having simcha, by doing hibadut. This is the principle. It's not to sit in a room and meditate on the name Yud Vavke for 15 hours straight until you start having divine meditations or you go into a sort of state where you lose control of your body or where you start having angels reveal themselves to you. This isn't the point of creation. This is the point of the world. It's to have simple faith, to do the things the way that tzaddiki is because all these tzaddikim, it's not that it's incorrect. If you read the books of the Ramchal or you read the books of the Arizal or you read the meditations of the Rashash, if you read it, it's all emet. That's the truth. But there's something that up until the time of Rabbi Nachman that came into the world, there's someone that came in and said there's something called emet lamito. There's the emet of Hashem. There's emet of all the levels. It says there's shivim panim la Torah. Rashi's emet, Rambam's emet, Ramban's emet. There's They're all emet, emet. But there's only one emet of Hashem. In the end, there's only one. Because this is 70. There's a million different versions. How is it that we're going to be talking about different stories and different types of things? But then there's only one version that Hashem holds by on the highest level. And this emet, Rabbi Nachman says, is what I brought down to you. So Rabbi Nachman is emet le'amito. It's the, it's, the, it's the interior of the interior. It's the innermost crevice. In fact, the Arizal said, the Arizal said, I wanted to reveal a Torah that's going to bring the Mashiach. And it's a Torah that can go from the highest highs to the lowest lows. And he said, I was not able to reveal it. And he passed away before his time. Rav Chaim Vital said this and shared this of Darizal. Rav Chaim, Darizal said this. Now Darizal revealed more of Rabbi Shimon Bar who elevated, who revealed the Torah that was so high that couldn't be decreased more. Right? So Moshe Rabbeinu came and he revealed to us a Torah, even though everyone thinks that this is a Torah that's simple, no one understands the Chamisha Chumshe Torah. No one understands the Torah that we have. Then Rabbi Shimon Bar came and revealed to us a little bit more. But it was so high and complicated that no one understood it. And then the Arizal came and he revealed a little bit more. And then the Baal Shem Tov came and revealed to us a little bit more. And now, finally, we have a tzaddik that revealed to us something that was so high up that no one understood. And Rabbi Nachman says, you can understand the kavanot of Darizal by living like a basic, simple Jew. By just being besimcha. By just dancing. By just reading Tehillim in simplicity. The Ikhara, the, the Pashu thing is to follow the advice simply. We're going to read the Torah tonight. Yeah. We're going to read the Torah. I think it's Nikudel Achot. It's deep, but the main thing is not to get overwhelmed by it. It's literally at the end of the day to take practical points. Why do you think Rabbi Nachman made Rabbi Nathan write on Nikutim Moran? Uh, what do you call it? Kito um, Nikutim Moran. Just basic points of application on each simple section. You know why? Because that's the essential point of it. You could go into all these ideas of going to Nikutim Moran and explaining how each piece in Nikutim Moran is referring to something else. That's not the point. Rabbi Nathan wants you to go into his lessons. Pick them apart the way they were meant to in simplicity. When he says to do this, do it. That's it. When he says to do it, you don't need to go and explain, understand how, what the best way to do it, is. just go do it. That's it. You'll come to understanding on your own. Yeah. So we're going to go into this Torah. Let's see how, it, how it's going to explain to us. We said in the parasha, When you acquire a Jewish slave, he shall work for six years. And on the seventh year, he shall go out for free. Now Rabbi Nathan starts off like this. 
servitude does not apply to the Jewish soul at all. It did not apply to a Jew to a Jew at all. Servitude doesn't make sense. It, it's they're, they're opposites. As it's brought in the, in the verse, Hashem says like this, because B'nai Yisrael are for me, they're my servants. Which means any servitude to any single person, whether it's a Jew, whether it's a non-Jew, doesn't work. This is not the Jew. The Jew cannot serve anyone or anything. He only serves Hashem. And the fact that this person fell to a sort of servitude because of the great amount that he lacked in his dot right here. Why are we saying that he lacked that? Because the only reason why a person is going into servitude is because he has to repay a debt. He did something wrong. He stole money, right? He did something that wasn't right. That's why he's going into servitude to serve for this master. He's selling himself so that he can pay off the debt that he did. What happens, Rabbi Nathan saying, is because your da'at wasn't complete. The only reason why you fall into sin is because you're not proper up here. Yeah. So what does the da'at say? We say, and you do not do an unless you, uh, a spirit of folly enters you. Because the Arizal says, when you're in the test, the da'at is taken away from you. When you fall into a sort of sin, it's because you're not complete in da'at. So you, how do you have bechira? So you have 100% bechira. I remember talking about this. 100% bechira. What do you mean you lost the da'at? It got taken away. So it's not about that. You allowed yourself to take the da'at away from the fact that you're falling into the sin. That removes your way to that because you cannot do a sin and have full that. It makes no sense. The second you decide I'm going to do the sin, that is taken away from you. Because if you had complete that, then you wouldn't fall into oh, the sin. The decision. The decision yeah. in itself is a lack of that. Wow, wow. Now, obviously, there's places we're, we're not going to get into it, but it gets much deeper than that. You know what I mean? About free will and all this stuff, which we don't want to get yeah, into. Yeah, sure. But that's a simple idea. Sinning is because you have a lack of that. Up here, you're not complete. Now, what is Rabbi Nathan saying? The reason why you're falling into servitude is because up here you're lacking in that. Which is what? You fell below into the concept of time. Now, you fall under the category of time, you fall under the category of six nature, days of the week. Yeah. Nature. Let's see where he goes with this, because it's very deep. He fell into this aspect of time so much until he literally sold himself as a, as a slave. And what do we need to do? The master needs to have mercy on him. Hashem needs to have mercy on this person. That he doesn't work for his entire life. He only works six years. He doesn't work the seventh year. He works only for six. Corresponding to the six days of creation. Tachat hazman. Why zman? Corresponding to time because there's six days of creation corresponding to six days of, of time. You know what I mean? The six midot. Uh, what do you call it? The six directions. All this idea of time is all with this in the idea of six. Seven is something completely new. It's above time. We're going we're gonna to describe seven in a minute. Now, this, serve, this servant has to fall into this idea of six days of the week because he fell into the concept of time because of the fact that he lacked that. Which seems to imply the second you have that, is the second you can ascend above this concept of time. We continue. But on the seventh, on the seventh year, Bechinat Shabbat, which represents Shabbat, Yetzirah Chofi shall go out free. Because Shabbat is a taste of the world to come. Shehi Bechinat Nebala Mazman. I know something like this that Shabbat and the world to come are above time. There's no time that exists there. 
It's above the concept of space, above the concept of time. Nothing exists there in the physical realm. Shabbat is something completely new. And obviously, look at Rabbeinu's Torah that he explains Shabbat. You see things in there that even things that seem physical, like food, are not physical at all. Rabbi Nachman says the food on Shabbat is not food at all. It's kulo elokut. It's complete godliness. Which means what we're talking about is not anything physical anymore on Shabbat. It's completely spiritual. Shabbat is completely ruchani. So, on this inyan, he continues. We're setting this up. Rabbi Nathan is setting up the question now. It's brought in all the books that the six days of creation correspond to the six traits. What are the six traits? Chesed, Gvuratif, the six firot, the six aspects of the emotions right arm, left arm, torso, right leg, left leg, and the Brit Kodesh, right? These six ideas correspond to the six directions. It's all this idea of time. Nature, this world, six days of creation. Now, what's he saying? But Shabbat represents something completely different. Represents Malchut. Malchut is what? Emunah. Oh. Yes, exactly kingship. Emunah is kingship. David Amelech, author of Teilim. Teilim is a f- perfect inan of Emunah. Rabbi Nachman says the prayer and faith are synonymous. They're one inan. David Amelech is the master of prayer. If, if you distill mal, uh, Malchut, it's, it's Emunah? 100%. Wow. That's the, that's the way you describe Malchut, ah, Emunah. But you know what's funny? Rabbi Nathan's setting up a beautiful question now. If we're speaking about six days of creation and Shabbat is the highest, it's above time, then how can it be correspond to the lowest Firah? Because Malchut is the foundation, no? No, you sowed it's the foundation. But if that's the case, if it's above time, then it should be... Um, it should be above chesed. It should be abina. Why did incorporate incorporates all other tefillah? You're right. You're right. But it's the lowest one, which means it has nothing of its own. Oh, okay. Very weird. Let's see. Let's see what he how he ex- explains the question. But uh, ora and move on. And according to first glance, it's not understandable at all what we're saying. Because aren't the six traits above the aspect of malchut? And how is it possible that the six days of creation will be greater than the Indian of then will be greater than the Indian of Shabbat? Meaning there's six days of creation, each corresponding to certain sphirah, and then Malchut, which is Shabbat, is higher above all of them, but yet it's referring to the lowest sphirah, which makes no sense. How? Like this idea that you're going to be sitting here in the ground and yet you're going to be dwelling up there in heaven, it makes no sense. We're talking about Shabbat, which is the lowest of the Sfirot, and yet you're saying it's the highest one. I love that though, that's such balance. You're right, it's balance. Your feet are on the ground, your head's in the air, you know? Totally. So let's see how he, how he explains this. You're, you're right, definitely at some level, for sure. But know that this is the great holiness of Shabbat. This is exactly why Shabbat is holy. The fact that it's referring to the lowest one. Because know that all the six uh, traits correspond to intellect, what we talked about, right? Person fell on his intellect, which means he has to fall to a slave within the six days of the week. Six years. Which responds to that. We just said six days. These six days, which represent the midot, correspond to your intellect. Seventh corresponds to something completely different, which is emuna. Emuna is the opposite of using your brain. And Munah is exactly where you believe where you don't have any intellect. The logic ends. Logic, where logic ends and Munah begins, Rabbeinu says. This idea that you can only have faith in a place wherever you cannot understand a thing. Yeah. So, he's saying the six midot correspond to that intellect. 
Shabbat corresponds to Emunah. Now we're saying here, this is the greatness of Shabbat. The six traits correspond to that. Bechina tif eret shekalul mikol hashisha midot kedavu. Tif eret, splendor, which corresponds to all the six. It's the middle piece which encompasses all the other. We know this. So I have a question that I can't let go of now that just came up. So can't Amuna also be born from when you studied something and delved into it so so deeply with your full effort, full intention that it creates a tipping point? So it's like it's not. It's not, not for me, I imagine that not understanding something, that's when Amuna begins, is maybe one, one pathway to Amuna. But what about the other way, where you've put all your resources in understanding something, mm. and, and that, that was the way I came to, to a belief based on Hashem. Totally. Where I didn't grow up with, with, with that in my household, it's something I didn't believe in. And then I started studying and studying and studying, and after <laughs> one point it was like, it felt like overwhelmingly true. Definitely. And that activated Emunah. Exactly. 100%. But right now, you cannot tell me how God exists. No, of course not, no. That's what I'm saying. The more you study, the more you realize you know nothing. Mm-hmm. Which means that you cannot place your finger on the faith. People think you can place your finger on how you how to explain God exists. Like, you know those, those seminars where people come to class, you know what I mean? They'll explain all these proofs to as God exists. Sheker. It's false. Completely. Mm-hmm. Because the second you have to believe in God is the second where logic ends. This idea that, yes, you're building completely toward your faith, all your actions. This idea that I'm going to start doing the mitzvah, Shabbat. I'm going to start thinking about myself learning because all these ideas are supposed to build up your faith. But the only reason why you did those things was not because of any logic. You did them hoping that you would get to a place of faith. Mm. Not using your logic to get there. See what I'm saying? Like the entire foundation of all this idea of how you got to your faith is actually starting with faith also at the beginning. <clears throat> this idea that you cannot place your finger on a reason why you began to study the Torah. Submit and Muna also because then you do and that's like you do the tefillah you do the things that the tzaddik says you do totally. the things that the Torah is about and then you get you develop and you gain more Muna mm. you, so you are right you're 100% right you mm. are right because the more that is it's two ways to look at the exact same thing because mm. you sitting down and deciding right now to read a repeated tefillah or to read a tehidim is developing in you because you're infusing yourself with emet when you're infusing yourself with godliness, you are developing your imuna within yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is really just living with Hashem more. Mm-hmm. Being it's a muscle. Hashem. It's a yeah. muscle. Emuna is a huge muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're spot on. This idea that you continue building your faith. Building yeah. your faith. The more you study, the more you, you get your faith. The more you pray, the more you have faith. Mm-hmm. All these ideas that are constantly building towards your emuna, But it's because you have emuna that it works. This idea that you have emuna that it's going to help you get there. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Uh, yeah, you're right, 100%. And it plays on so many levels, it's very deep. Mm. But l- let's, see, I'm, I'm, let's see where Rabinatan goes with this. Also, interestingly enough, with where, uh, with where Yechiel had left off earlier, is that when you're, when you're being tested, you're actually only left, you're left completely naked because your dad's mm. taken from you. The only thing you're left with is your Muna. That's the only thing that's left with you. Mm-hmm. That's it. When you actually are being tested. Mm-hmm. And now when you're left with just that, this is how Hashem wants to see how you react mm-hmm. in the world. So what happens when you feel like your moon is also being taken from you, for example? Tikkunah Kali. Tikkunah Kali. Tikkunah being taken away from right? you. Okay. So, man, there's times when it feels like your moon is in, burning. It, 100%. Might, it might feel like it, but Hashem can never take away your moon. You know, you know, your moon is, is, is the thing that you develop. It is who you are. 
But it's true that porn sometimes totally. being tested, you feel like yeah, you 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 have yeah, your daat sure. that's removed from you. You have you have chokma that's removed from you. You have aspects of you that removed from you that don't allow you to become yourself. That don't make you feel like you were really yourself. In fact, when you mess up, whatever the situation is, if you got angry at someone, you're like, sorry, that wasn't me. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. But your imuna is the thing that allows you to sustain yourself when Hashem takes everything away from you. But it is the, it is the breath it. of life. No, but you have it. You just don't feel it. So you do tefillah then. Tefillah awakens it, no? Definitely. Yeah, tefillah, Torah, it. anything. That's why Rabbi Nachman says in lesson one of Likutei Moran, he says whenever you're being tested, the Yisara is such a big fire, he says, take it to the Beit Midrash, he quotes from the Gemara. So you go fight fire with fire. Just sitting down and studying Torah whenever you're being tested or when you're not feeling great enlivens you. Sure. I told you as this is an example. Also. I was feeling so much better the other day when I myself was going through something difficult. I sat down, I read Torah. It changed my whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like a completely different person after five minutes. Even the way that you learn, like, because there's sometimes where you learn Torah, right? Like, for example, like past two weeks I've been learning Torah and I've been like, no, I'm not connecting, but like, there's a way you could learn Torah where it connects to your neshama, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's not like you just could learn Torah, you sit down and you just learn Torah and then you're, you're going to be on fire. Because there's some Torah mm-hmm. that you don't connect to. Right. But it's so powerful that even if you study it, and even if you don't understand it, I'm assuming that you study something that's pure Torah, mm-hmm. something that's holy, something that's written by holy tzaddikim, things that are divine, reading the Hamishah from Torah, things that are, are, are special. It's so divine and it's so powerful and it's so emet mm-hmm. that it infuses within you life that even whenever you still feel dead, you don't even realize that your battery is being recharged. Mm-hmm. And you're going to only realize it later. It's, but it's an, emo- it's an emotional thing. It's really tapped into your emotions. Yeah. Because if, but then how do you feel? Let's say you don't realize it's getting better. You're still not feeling well. You know? Because it takes time sometimes. Sometimes there's the weight. Sometimes there's the fact that you're so beat up. You're so beat up. It's like, it's like God forbid, if someone gets hit by a car, they, they, feel, they feel so fractured in so many different places that if their left bone starts to feel a little bit better, they don't recognize that their left, bone, their left arm bone feels a little bit better because their whole body's in pain. But you're slowly reviving yourself. Wow. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Wow. It's just that the Torah, it's reviving you in a way that we're so dead, we're just being revived in little increments. So it's a way just accept and wait till we get... It's so much of a waiting process. It's a, it's a lifelong process of continuously waking up, waking up, waking up. That's why before you do it, but do it, there's a famous phrase that I started doing again that I only realized this past week that I haven't done in, in years. I forgot to say this, which is that you have to say before, when you do it, but do it, you can do this anything before you even go into work. You can say, today I'm starting new. But today, it's right now. It's this second I'm going to be new. Wow. Right now, this second I'm beginning, that Hashem is going to change the world right now. Hashem, if He wanted to, all my problems can disappear this second. If Hashem wants, He can remove every single one of my problems this second. Because Hashem, we, we know that Hashem completely mitchadeshes the whole world every few moments, every few seconds, even. There's a thing in, mm-hmm. in that result that discusses this, but... The point is that right now when you sit with Hashem, you can say, I don't need to be the same person I was before. I can choose right now to be someone completely different. And right now I'm going to be someone completely new. And just that thought, when I started doing it this past week in my Budut, I realized every time in my Budut, I get so much energy because I realized that every single one of my problems can be completely fixed, completely repaired, and I can look at them in a completely different light. Maybe they're not problems at all. In reality, they're not, but we see them as problems. But mm-hmm. the awakening, the seeing, all that stuff, is, it's, we need to start new. We need to start fresh. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wow. All, all these in we're going to explain right now. I mean, nothing's going to go into it. 
Aval Bashabat. So basically, we said the six midot correspond to the dat. Person blemishes dat when he falls into servitude, which means he has to serve for six years. But Shabbat is something unique. Shabbat dat gadol Shabbat is, brings down a shefa, an abundance of dat and intellect. Dat, consciousness, intellect. A great intellect from a place that is very high. An awesome place. Until we begin to understand the truth, which is what? That we have no understanding whatsoever. What is the ultimate truth? That we have no dat at all. That even the dat we think we have, we don't. And what is that? Which is what Rabbeinu says. The purpose of all knowledge, or the, the greatest goal of all knowledge, is to understand that you know zero. This is Yediya. True knowledge is when you begin to realize that you are you know absolutely nothing. Knowing nothing is true knowledge. This is what Rabbeinu says is Shabbat. Shabbat draws down such a high sechel and such a high intellect. But you know what that intellect is? Is that you realize you have no intellect. It's the emet. But that's it. It doesn't make sense, right? But this is the highest dot. He's saying Shabbat is so what's high. What's the point? Okay, so what's the point? Because what did we say Shabbat is? Emunah. It's a place where there's no dot at all. We're going to explain what this really means. Let's see what Rabbi Nathan explains and see if we have questions at the end. Because Rabbi Nathan is going to put everything in place. Bechinat amarti echkama vihirochakamimani. As it says in, uh, I think it's in Mishle or something of the sort. I said I would be wise, but it's very far from me. Meaning, Chokhmah is something not close. It's far. True Chokhmah is not something here. It's way up there. And then what happens as a result of this? Emunah begins to illuminate with great light. Because you begin to understand something truthfully. Rabbi Nathan says, with this union of Shabbat, because what do we say Shabbat is? It encompasses all the six above, right? What are the six above? Da'at. Shabbat is so high, it brings down the highest da'at, the highest intellect from all the upper world, brings it down to this world. And you know what it makes you realize? That there's no da'at whatsoever. But you know what? What is Shabbat? What is Shabbat? This idea that you have to hold on strong and to, the only thing that you can hold on to is emunah. No da'at. There's no such thing as intellect. Shabbat is a day where there's no intellect whatsoever. Proof of it in the simple, proof is in the pudding. You stop working, you stop earning your parnasah, and yet still, somehow you still survive. All this simple stuff that we see on Shabbat that is completely unique and above this world. Which is a perfect way of life then, because emunah is... Totally. Emunah is the ultimate way. The goal is to be in Shabbat all six days of the week. To get to a place where emunah is so strong that we're literally within Shabbat, this concept of Shabbat, within the six days of the week. Now Rabbeinu has tools for this. Rabbeinu says, the tzaddik is Shabbat. When you're truly bound to the tzaddik, he says you're completely above his mind. <laughs> but there's all these sort of things that we're not going to be able to understand. Also when you read the Shir Shalyom, when you read the, uh, the song that we read every single day in the Shacharit, every single day, Hayom Yom Echad Shabbat, Hayom Yom Shabbat, all of them are in Shabbat. It's the sinyan of entering into Shabbat through the days of the week. Shabbat. And through Shabbat, the Kul Heyome. It's funny. The Zohar says, the Chavarim called Rabbi Shimon Bar Yomchai, you are the Shabbat of all days. Which is a perfect explanation of what we're talking about right now. The Tzaddik is the Bechina of Emuna. The Tzaddik is the Bechina of Shabbat. Tzaddik is Shabbat. 
I have a question, but I don't know if it's going to be off topic. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> could you explain, like, in, like, could you explain a Muna, like, a, like in a, I don't know. Just, like, can you explain, because I'm not appreciating when you say that we have to, we have to live it every day. Everything's going to be a Muna. I'm not, appre- like, I don't want to, like, I'm not I'll tell you appreciating something. that, you know what I mean? There's no definition. I can't, I cannot explain to you a Muna at all. Emunah is something deep within your neshama that no one can talk, that no one can explain. Kol madim shabil, kol, um, the Torah says, each and every person according to how much he can handle in his heart. Yeah. There's no explanation that you have for emunah, as I have for emunah, as Fabian, or anyone here at this table can have but for emunah. there is emunah. some sort of scientific, like... Emunah is the sinyan that you believe in Hashem, especially when your dad is constricted from you. When you believe that Hashem, when you believe in what Hashem says, the amet of the Torah, the tzaddik, all the hinanim that are true, even whenever you feel like you're being tested, even when you're tested, even when it's dark, this is emuna. When your dad is taken away from you, this idea when you don't begin, when you begin to understand that you don't know anything, when you're beginning to feel like you're in mochin de kanut in a in a constricted intellect, emuna is that's where it begins. This idea of emuna, you're constantly trying to restrain yourself in Hashem and tzaddikim, especially when it gets dark. Can I see where? Can I can I play a little bit with the emuna thing for a second? So, so here's what I here's what I here's what I think about Imuna, and it's funny because I actually wrote something down on this piece of paper that I wanted to talk about tonight that had to do a little bit with Imuna. So I'll share with you through a couple parables and through stories what Imuna, the way I understand Imuna. So, um, but Moshe is right in the sense that because it is something, and if you want to approach it from a more technical standpoint, because it is something that is intangible and unquantifiable and unobservable, and you cannot see it, you cannot understand, you cannot measure it. You cannot look at this rabbi and say, this rabbi has more emunah than this person, because you're gonna be like, where, where is it? Yeah. How does he do it? Is there a calculation for it? How does one get to that level of emunah? You don't. It is something that is developed. It's like when Rabbi Natan learned from Rabbi Nachman the Sod of what it was and how powerful it was, the concept of Yibodiyut. He wanted to go dance from the rooftops and share it with everyone and teach him about it. We were talking about it last week. And all he wanted to do was share it to every single person what he bought to do to us. And Rabbi Nachman said, what you just felt and what you just experienced, you will never be able to share with someone else because they need to feel it for themselves. So emunah is something that you're going to need to find for yourself. But let me do this. We have good news and we have bad news. The good news is that Hashem loves us unconditionally. The bad news is we're terrible, like a terrible partner in that relationship because we don't love Hashem. Right? As much, as much, yeah. Or we don't understand it. We don't show it, and there's moments that we don't we don't do it through our actions. Yeah. So, let me paint for you a picture through one parable, and then I'll eventually get to the the conversation of Imuna. And this is a little bit out there, so bear with me. Imagine this: man and woman love each other. They're supposed to get married. They get to the day of their wedding, and Chas Shalom, you have this scenario where the woman gets to this, the woman sees another man. And she decides to go with another man before marriage. And then she goes and sleeps with another man. And then she shows up at the chuppah with her husband. And her husband hears that she went with another man. Let me ask you a question. What would you do as a man? Or what would you look at this as, at this type of situation? Is this, is this acceptable? <laughs> is it fitting? Okay. Not acceptable. So the parable is that the Jewish people showed up to Har Sinai, and we read this in Shavuot, and there's many sources for this, about how the Jewish people are the marriage partner of Hashem, yeah. where the feminine aspect of wherever Hashem brought us in partnership. 
Har Sinai receiving the Torah and the mitzvot is the ring, is the chuppah. And we did the Egel Azab right after. It says actually, it quotes from Shir Hashem, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it also brings down in the Gemara that the Jewish people had one eye open, one eye on the Torah. And it said that you praised Hashem with one eye. And it says over there, it references because they had another eye looking at the Egel Azab, about the Avirot that they went to. It's like whenever Hashem says, go and pray to me, but then you're thinking to Hashem about the things that you want to do bad on the side. And we do this in our own way, where we're in a relationship with someone, that someone shows up with 100% love, and we show up with one eye on the prize and one eye on something else. But Hashem is the only one in that scenario, and in this parable, that even with this story, He still decides to marry us. And He still accepts us with all our faults. Now, how did this happen? It leads to a second story, which is the story of Avraham Avinu, who is, let's call the master of Emunah, the beginning of Emunah, the story of Emunah. And from Avraham, we learn something very special because all the stories of Avraham are actually stories of Emunah. Jump into the fire, sacrifice your firstborn son, go to Mitzrayim, do all these things. It's all stories of Emunah. It's all development of Emunah. Avraham Avinu is the aspect of Emunah. But how does he develop this Emunah? He brought so much Emunah into the world that Hashem looked at Avraham Avinu and said, I fell so much in love with Avraham Avinu and Yitzchak and Yaakov that he made the Brit Ben Abedayim. He made a Brit and he made a covenant and he made a promise that I love you so much because of Emunah that I will never forget your children till the end of time. That I will always marry them and show up to the chupa again and again and again and again no matter how much they hurt me. Wow. So now, let me, with that, bring you to one other point and then a little idea on this and then I'll let Moshe wrap up with what he's doing with Rabbi Nathan. There's two ways of looking at Emunah. The simple way of Emunah that everyone taught you since you were a kid as a Jew today is that Hashem runs the world and you have faith in the fact that Hashem runs the world the way He sees fit. You want me to show you the way that, that, the way that Avram figured out Emunah, the way that nobody understands it today? Avram found Hashem as a young boy Running the world, when everyone said the water runs the world, the sun runs the world, the clouds run the world, the wind runs the world, the mountains run the world, the sun, it doesn't matter, they just kept on going. And Avram said it's not possible. And he started digging and digging and digging and looking for Hashem. And he said, Emuna is, Hashem runs the world in the way that He sees fit through the way that we want Him to run the world. Explain that. In the first way that we understand is that we say Hashem runs the world based on how He wants to run the world. The second way is that Hashem runs the world the way we want to run the world. So what does that mean? Let me give you a parable to understand this. Hashem loves his... Let's consider ourselves as children. So father looks at his son. Son goes to the father. He says, Dad, I want chocolate. Dad says, I love you so much. Whatever you want, I'll give you. He says, no, no, no. I don't want a little piece of chocolate. I want the whole bar. I love you so much. You can have the whole bar. So he gives him the whole bar of chocolate. He says, you know what? I also want bamba. And I want popcorn. And I want candy. And I want pizza. And dad's like, I love you so much. I'll give you this, 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 and this, and this. And he just gives you endlessly. You see, Hashem, Hashem is willing, and Hashem's base nature, and Hashem's actual nature, Hashem Echad Echad, He wants to give you and love you in every single capacity, no matter what you do that's wrong. He will always love you, always show up to the chupad, no matter how much you embarrass him, no matter how much you do bad, he'll always show up there. But you want to know what he does? He lets you run the world the way that you want. Whatever you want to do, Hashem is going to give you. But sometimes, sometimes, in the parable, the kid's going to go to the dad, and the dad's going to say, enough is enough. This chocolate is going to kill you one day. So today, you're not getting chocolate. You know what that equivalent is? 
you showed up to work and you got a business call and it didn't go as planned. That's Hashem taking away the chocolate from you. So you go to Hashem, you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. This emuna, this deal, this relationship is not working for me. Let's go back to yesterday. Yesterday was better. Hashem, I want the money and I want the deal easier. I want life a little bit easier. I want the wife like this. I want the money like this. I want the job like this. I want the happiness like this. And that's, Hashem, that's us going to Hashem and saying, Hashem, can we watch this movie tonight? Hashem, can I get this popcorn? Hi, can I get this pizza order? I love this burger. Can we get this burger? And he says yes to everything. That's Emuna. That's the way that Hashem actually runs the world. But Hashem needs to restrain himself because he loves us so much that sometimes he needs to say no. So you get to this point one day that we start to say to Hashem, I don't know how to run my life anymore, but I need you to teach me what's good for me. And then you get to the point where you say, I know it's going to suck eating the vegetables, but I accept everything that you do because only you know how to repair this world. Only you know that 200 years ago, someone had my neshama and they messed up with something that only you know how to repair. And I accept it with all the love and all the happiness in the world. Only you understand that right now, the only way for me to repair my neshama is for me to show up to a job and get into an argument with the boss and have a lawsuit for three months. Only you understand that that is the actual chocolate, that that is the repair. This is what emunah really is. It's getting to a place where you understand that the up, the down is the same. That the high, the low is the same. That Hashem only does good. Like we were saying in lesson four of the Kutimah that we were studying, we were discussing this past week, that whenever you look at Hashem Echad Echad, right? Whenever you say the Shema, Shema Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, right? Whenever you say the Shema Yitzchad Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, Hashem, that is the Shem that we say, Hatov Ameti, that He does only good, Elokim, that is Din and Mishpat as, as recorded in Lesson 4 of the Kutiman, it's all the same. Because when you realize that Hashem is all good, you realize that there is no difference. Hashem Echad But the problem is in our dilution of understanding the circumstances that are happening in our lives, that we don't understand it. So we keep telling him, no, 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 I want the chocolate, I want the candy, I want this, I want the pizza. But he's going to tell you a lot of the time, because he absolutely loves you, he's going to tell you yes whenever it's not right for you. This is what Avram Avinu uncovered of Hashem, that people do not understand today. And this is why sometimes people, sometimes we receive things that we think is good that is actually not good, and sometimes we receive things that are bad that are actually not good for us. But we don't understand it. But in the end, it's all good. And the only way is to be able to shift our perspective to understand through Emunah, through this conversation with Hashem, through Hidbodidu, through Tfilah, through Torah, through, through developing this relationship, that relationship that you develop is called Emunah. Well, it's so, so hard, you know, it's so, so challenging to be able to see some things that we perceive as, God forbid, like you're, someone gets into a car accident and they break all their bones and da-da-da, whatever it is, and they're in the hospital. And yeah, there's ways to look at that and to begin to experience it as maybe it's all, all from the good and Hashem loves us, but it's so, it's so hard, you know? If someone else is single until they're 65 years old, whatever it is, these, these things that are so painful and, it's, and, and those things that are painful cause more pain you know, because maybe the person doesn't have the dot to be able to see them or process them correctly. And it's like this, almost like this, um, what's it called? Not, not avalanche, but like a growing ball of like, one thing causes all these other negative thoughts. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's a buildup. Uh, so how, I mean... There's levels, you're right, you're spot on about this idea. It's funny, I, I heard Rabbi Nachman say something like this. The, the goal is to make something which you have in Muna into a dot, into an intellect. Why? Because emunah is wherever you have faith in a place where you don't understand, right? But that is knowing it. 
when you know that it's for the good, even though that you see it's completely like off, right? You know it's good. There's different levels. Sometimes you might see something that's crazy and you might have enough strength to say, okay, this is from Hashem, this is good. But then something above that, something crazier, much more tragic, you might not have the level to see that this is good. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get to the place where every single picture you're seeing, every single circumstance you're seeing, every single event, is you know mm. at that point that it's completely Hashem. That it's, everything is blessing, everything is good from Hashem. The goal is to make an emunah into a dat, meaning now that it's not faith anymore, you know 100% that Hashem is completely running it for good. Do you know what I'm saying? This is why Shabbat encompasses the six days of the week. Why Shabbat is able to encompass the dat, because you're drawing down a dat from very high. But yet it's still emunah. Shabbat. Shabbat is this idea that you... You're here in this place where I, I trust in Hashem. That's it. I trust in Hashem. But it's not it's, contradictory. No, it's synonymous to humbleness because once you you have that emunah, you understand that it's emunah, you're humble. You accept it. Definitely. Without complaining or anything. That's literally also why in lesson four he says that Moshe is, is, is Ayin. He, he makes himself like nothingness mm -hmm. because you have to but become like nothingness to be able to realize what mm -hmm. Hashem is. Definitely. It's yeah. it's it's a very deep thing, emuna, daat, all this stuff. It, it all ties very, it ties beautifully together. And Rabbi Nathan, if you go to Likut Aracho, go to Likut Moran, Rabbi who explains all these in Anim. See how Rabbi Nathan wraps it up. Okay. You take the example of Moshe Rabbeinu. Compared to a, a simple person like you, me, anyone, if Hakadosh Baruch Hu showed up right now. In front of you and talks to you, for sure you're gonna have emunah. There's it's no a no-brainer. Yeah, and you're put into the position where you have emunah in front of you. <laughs> it's like, mm. for sure you're humble. For sure you're gonna that's be not completely. You are completely no bechira. Uh, that's not emunah. That's that. You know Hashem is in front of you. Yeah, but then but Hashem doesn't want that. You want to get to a place where you don't. Hashem is not talking to you, but you see Hashem as if He's talking to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's still Amuna because you're believing it, right? You don't you don't see Hashem, oh. right? Hashem is not in front of you. You're not speaking to you mouth to mouth like the way Moshe Rabbeinu did it. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But you know Hashem is right there as if he's talking mouth to mouth. When you're in Hebrew to do it, it's as if you're literally speaking face to face with Hashem. But you know it. It's no longer an Amuna, it's mm -hmm. a knowledge. Mm -hmm. That's a level above Amuna where you get to a place where you, you're in Amuna, right? Mm -hmm. It requires a certain amount of Amuna to see this. But then to know that this is for good, that's something else completely different. Mm -hmm. This is getting to climbing to the next level. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to make an emunah to a dot. To transform the emunah into that. So you could take the. So it's a muna. It's a muna on such a level where it's like. Emunah is the essential. When we, we don't understand a lot of things, right? We're yeah. in the world of action. We're, we're, we're very far from great wisdom. We're very far from the upper, supernal world, from all the four worlds up there. Our goal is to believe, Be'emet. When it says in the Torah this, to believe, to know it's true to the best of our abilities. Then we'll get to a place when we reach a madriga that we'll know that this pasuk in the Torah is completely emet. Even though I don't understand that thing, I know it. I can't explain it to you. I cannot explain to you how I know God is real. You cannot. 
But your emunah is building up so strong that it's becoming a dot. That you see Hashem before you. The Yitzhara can come down and tell you God does not exist. A person can do a miracle in front of your eyes and tell you a black magic, something crazy, and tell you God does not exist. And you will still not believe Him. Why? Because you know for a fact God exists. For, 40, for 48 years, people were trying to convince the guy that 45 years or however long it was, they were trying to convince him that God didn't exist. 45 years. He was three years old when he started searching. Three. And what? He still couldn't be convinced otherwise. Because he got to the point where he's building up his faith, his faith, his faith, his faith. You know what it says? That even Lech Lecha, Hashem didn't even tell him to go. You know what it says? Rashi says his kidneys were advising him. He taught within himself to go. Only in 99 did Hashem come and reveal himself to him and say, Do believe me not. But for him, it was as if Hashem said, Go. Hashem said to Avram, Go. But Hashem never told him. It was within him. See what I'm saying? Avram's emunah was so built by that point where he knew that even his simple actions were directed from God completely. You could do this, Bipshitut, in Hibodadut. Babenu says Hibodadut is the main. He said Tfilah and Emunah are synonymous. Don't separate them, they're one in The more a person prays, the more a person grabs onto Emunah. Because prayer you don't see at all. Emunah you can't see. Now, the point is obviously to get to such a place of Emunah where it becomes. where you see it. It also makes so much more sense now, all the training that we do, all the studying that we do, like we're studying Gematria, it makes so much sense because you see a number. And immediately you think about Hashem. Whenever I say 26, Definitely. I'm like, Hashem in the house, you know? Totally. It's amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I see eight, I'm like, oh, eight above nature, all right. Or isn't that, you know? Four, there's four worlds, five, five, one of the soul. Every number I look at now. Amazing. Because of just like a little bit of studying, suddenly like I, I, I immediately tie it to Hashem, the Hashem consciousness, you know? It's amazing. So like, um, I'm not at the level now, but there were times in the past, I feel like where I was walking around trying to like build the tree of life consciousness in my mind. like. Looking for correlators everywhere. I'd be biking in LA and like, wow, I'm in a giant hay. The traffic patterns are creating this massive mm-hmm. hay. I'm like biking through a hay right this now. Guy's you know? man, uh, it's like amazing, you know? Hundred yeah. percent. This is really that's how we should live. To do. That's actually a way to live because mm-hmm. you look at that's in like the lesson one by lesson the way. one which is to look so at mm-hmm. you look at the chokhmah and every single thing and that is the chokhmah that Hashem enlightens you and then it says yair and then Hashem will give you this light that he lets you see now a little mm-hmm. bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more and a little bit more and then things make sense. Mm-hmm. So then a, a conversation with someone else will make sense during the week and or learning the Torah will make sense. For whatever Hashem reveals to us. It's very unique. It's but a all of this is faith. Re- it's, it's... All of it is revealed, all of it is revealed based on how much you grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. The more a person works, the more a person is going to get to that place. You develop a kli, and in this kli, you develop something that can absorb more light. Because Hashem has so much light, but He can't give you all the light because it's too much light. Right. So you need to build the vessel to accept the light. Mm-hmm. That but, vessel's developed, uh, if we could even say, the pottery that makes that vessel is emunah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, wow. Mm. So let's see how Rabbi Let's see how Rabbi Nathan can finish this up. This is why Shabbat, which is the idea you're trying to hold on to faith, this is the inan of faith. Shabbat is the aspect of the world to come. Because in the world to come, there's no time at all. Time is nullified. It's above time. Because whenever you complete your diet up here, you begin to nullify time. Time doesn't exist anymore. This is why Rabbi Nathan said you repair, why you go to work for servitude for six years. 
because you're supposed to repair your dot. Each of these midot that you made a mistake on, now you're going to repair. And on the seventh year, you go free Shabbat, which completes the entire circle that you just did. Because now with the emunah, that you're drawing down this great dot down here all the way up to the bottom. Now you're going to attain a faith that even though I don't understand a thing, I still believe in you, Hashem. I know it's you. Let's see, how, let's see how he finishes. But know that in this world, a person cannot merit this intellect that we're talking about until he nullifies time completely. This is only possible by the great tzaddikim. What does that mean, nullify time? Time is not applicable to him. He's doing Shabbat on a Tuesday. Not that he's actually doing the Shabbat meal and stuff like that, but he's in the concept of Shabbat already on Tuesday. Wow. Rabbeinu said, I got to a place where even if you put me in a place where I didn't know the time, where I didn't have any single thing to do any mitzvah, tarit, I would still be able to do all 613 mitzvot. I didn't know when Shabbat is, when Rosh Chodesh, when all the Chagimah, I would still be able to do all 613. Because you could get to a place where you're no longer in time. Mm-hmm. Go to the first Likut Elachot. The first Indian Likut Elachot. Rabbeinu says that when you find your good points, this is chatzot. Which means what? What's the chidush of this? When you wake up the darkness within yourself or you're waking up the nekudot tovot, finding the good points to reveal the light within the darkness where you feel very low but now I'm going to start finding good points to find myself the little good thing. Oh, this is chatzot, waking up the dark. No way. But what is it? What is Rami Nathan saying? You could be doing chatzot at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Wow, because actually. now you're in an aspect of nekudot tovot. Rabbeinu mm-hmm. is in Chatzot all day Because Rabbeinu is constantly finding Nekudot Tovot in every single Jew in Amishchad So he's bringing Chatzot to each and every single Jew That he's finding good points I could do Chatzot to you right now by finding your good points Can you imagine? That time doesn't exist anymore because you're above this aspect of time That's, that's what we're talking about Bitulazman. Time is no longer there Because now you've attained a place Where you can apply the entire Torah Beyond the time and beyond the, the space of time and uh, you know what I mean physicality and all this stuff there's no more Gashmir and he continues in this in Kodesh you then merit each and every single Jew merits to complete his faith to the great dad the great intellect and the Chokhmah that he draws down on Shabbat Shabbat you said encompasses all the six days of the week it's exactly that the six days above it represent that Shabbat is drawing down that dad to a place well, you know what the dot is? You know what this understanding is? That you know nothing. That's the dot. Because what is all wisdom? When you begin to realize that you know absolutely zero. This is Shabbat. And when you begin to realize you know absolutely zero, you can only rely on one thing, which is emunah. So you're right. There's this idea of getting this inyan of emunah to dot. But even higher than that, that then gets another emunah. <laughs> because now that you have this dot, the point is to get to a dot, a knowledge, where you don't understand anything. Where you realize that you're absolutely zero. The more a person learns, the more a person realizes he doesn't know anything. And when you get to that realization that you don't know as much as you thought you knew, the more a person opens up the Moran, the more you realize how vast it is. This is an understanding of how little you know. And that little you know then reverts you back to a place where you need faith. See how the, it's a full circle. Start with Emunah, get to a dot, and then you go back to Emunah. Emunah is the completion of everything. And he's continuing with this. Now you're able to hold on yourself just on Emunah Levad. Just on Emunah. Because yes, you're drawing down a dot. But what is the dot? That there is no dot. It's a paradox. The dot doesn't exist. And what can you do now that you have no intellect? Rely completely on faith. It's very simple. We're explaining all these sort of circles back and forth. But the idea is, is like this. A person can attain 
this aspect of above time and space in this world, in this world, by relying on faith. Now a person builds his faith, obviously. Rabbeinu has tools for this. But this is the beauty of Emunah. When you're bound to Emunah, a person that goes above time. And we're going to continue. Through faith, one is able to merit this aspect of nullifying time. Time doesn't exist. Shabbat. This is why you can attain Olam Abba in this world. Rabbeinu says in lesson 4 David's study. And this is why Shabbat is this aspect where time, time stops. Because why? You merit faith on Shabbat. And what does faith allow you to do? Destroy time completely. Even in this world. Even who's, one who's da- This is the Chidush. Rabbi Nathan saying, even one who's Da'at is not so complete. Even one who doesn't have the greatest intellect. Right? And what we were saying is the greatest intellect of all, not knowing, right? Which means even one who still thinks he knows something, because that means your dad is not complete. Mm-hmm. Complete dad means you don't know something. Correct. I mean, that's saying, even if you think you know something, paradox, you can still attain this aspect of emunah and nullifying time. Because now he's speaking to each and every one of us, not just the big tzaddikim. Yes, the big tzaddikim attain this at a level we can't understand, but each and every person tastes this. He can taste this every single day. And how is he saying this? Because even from afar, we still see and understand there's nothing physical about time. We begin to realize how things are just moving like this and like that. Even a simple person can begin to understand how time is something just, it's moving like this. There's no time anymore. It's just, things are happening. You're beginning to slowly come to a perception that time is not something, there's no, nothing physical about time anymore. You're beginning to understand something much more spiritual, much deeper. But no one thing. The essential aspect of nullifying time, you cannot pr- truly ingrain in your mind. You cannot understand this. But through strengthening yourself in faith, which is drawn from Shabbat, Shabbat, one can begin to understand this concept of nullifying time whenever he strengthens himself in faith. Because only where faith exists is this aspect where time doesn't, time stops. Time doesn't come into existence anymore. Faith is doing Shabbat, for example. Yeah. Right? Emunah is Shabbat. Example. <clears throat> Scandinavian countries. Six months, full daylight. Nobody has a clue when it's Shabbat or it's not Shabbat. There's no sunset. There's no, it's, they, they all done. We know that there's going to be that day. That day is going to be Shabbat. They do it by Emunah. What? Oh, you're saying because it's not... They have no idea. They have no idea if it's the day or the night. Yeah. You know, Shabbat starts when it's full daylight outside. It's Friday night. They they do Kabbalah Shabbat. Totally. Six months Shabbat. Six months Shabbat. (laughs) They have no idea. Six months man. I did Shabbat in Iceland six months ago. It was crazy. It's full daylight. It's not. It's like like the sun is is at 3 p.m. And that's when it's the sunset. And then turn around and then it goes back to... Where is this? All no, the northern, northern countries. countries. Mm-hmm. It's the Shabbat three p.m. Well, there's points where, uh, where sure. there, there's sunlight for the for about twenty hours out of the day, and then there's times when there's sun, and then it's, no it's, way. Night, the front it's of night for at twenty-three time. hours a day. A for front like of months six at a months. Of a front of, no of, of hours actually. Two a.m. the sun. Uh, and the opposite. There's months at a time where it goes like this. And, and months where, and then there's months, months where there's only sun, no darkness. That dark costs a major depression for people. It does. David Alfarsi, our friend. Yeah. He used to work. Why is that? Many years ago, he used to work uh, for a computer company. 
and he was there for two or three months. After the second Shabbat, he couldn't stand it anymore. He didn't understand what was Shabbat, what was Shabbat. He was flying to Casablanca in Morocco to spend the Shabbat with his parents because there he could do Shabbat. And then he was going back because there was no sense of time. That's, That's so the Muna. They had the Chabad and the, the people that he was going to. It was all organized. They were all scared. They knew that's when they had to start Shabbat at that time. You dropped in the desert, you don't know which day it is because you fall asleep. Then you wake up in the day. You woke up a day, you don't know anymore if you slept for three days or if you slept for half an hour. You have to do Shabbat right there and then because that's when Shabbat starts. Because you have no idea. Yeah. You have to take it on yourself. Well, you do, right. there's no, a lot of no when you count wow. and then you do the days of you count and then you do the exactly you do Shabbat that's based so on the on the count that you have. That's so crazy. Six months of darkness. People live like that. Yeah. Sorry, it's the opposite. You know what? You know what's also Shabbat? Funny enough, he's exactly right. You know what's also Shabbat? This right now. We don't realize it, but we're in Shabbat right now. How? Let's make you. Because it's <laughs> <laughs> There's no time anymore, meaning there's no there's no mitzvot for Shabbat, but we're in Shabbat right now. We don't understand, but we're in Shabbat because we're speaking about inyanim that have completely do with Shabbat. The tzaddik, we're studying the Torah of tzaddik, right? Rabbi Nata. This is Shabbat. We're strengthening ourselves in our faith. We're slowly entering in our minds this idea of bitulis man, where time is no longer existing. Forgetting everything else. Rabbi said, I could have my students sit with me for a Torah for three days and three nights and yet make a person not realize when, what day it was. I could have my, Rabbi said, I could hold you guys by my table in my Torah with, with the lesson I gave and you guys wouldn't realize for three days and three nights you guys were still listening to me. They wouldn't use the restroom. They wouldn't go back to the wives. They wouldn't have a thought to get back there. Why? Because Rabbi can get to this inyan where he can ingrain within each and every student this idea that time doesn't exist. For three days and three nights, you can be sitting here listening to me and not realize anyone, that time anyone. is passing. If I went to Rabbi Nachman, yeah, to you. Wish, I'm saying, if I went to Rabbi Nachman, I would be in a trance for three days. You want to hear a story? Yeah. Rabbi Nachman, after he finished Torah, went walking with the students out into the meadows. This is in Uman. And uh, he stopped. And one day, <laughs> after when this was happening, when they were walking around, they were having a conversation, smoking, whatever it was. And... Um, Rabbeinu stops and he pauses and he starts speaking to them, the students. And they start gathering around him in like a circle and they start listening to him speak. Rabbeinu is going on this for hours, hours, hours. And this is middle afternoon, let's say 12 p.m. The way it was brought down, early in the afternoon. Rabbeinu held them on there until morning. Of the next day. Morning of the next day. When the sun woke up, when the sun set and... When the sun, what do you call it, rose again? You know what this, you know what Rabbeinu did? He started laughing. He started laughing. And the students asked him, why are you laughing? He said, because the sun just said, when I went to sleep, you guys were still in the same position when I woke up. The sun talks to Rabbi Nachman? The sun, okay. Rabbi Nachman understands the language of the sun. But that's a different story entirely. We're not, we're... But this idea it's is that... Like, it's like Shomo Amel, yeah, Shomo Amel. There's, there's a language, language whenever you can understand the birds, you understand the language of the thing, the, the, birds, the, 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 the plants. It could have been... Wow. It could have been past Mincha, by the way. It could have been done Mincha and Arvit, and then he, he went on the, on the walk after. I don't know how it worked. But I knew that this story happened, that the sun set, and it rose, and Rabenu heard the sun laughing. 
So what do we understand? That there's an idea of bitul zman. That tzaddik can ingrain within each and every person this aspect that time doesn't exist. Now how do you channel that? Emunah, Rabbi Nathan's saying. When you strengthen yourself into emunah, you strengthen yourself into this idea that there's no such thing as time anymore. Yeah. You have this feeling also through simcha. How many times in your life you have an amazing event and you say time passed so quickly, I haven't oh, seen yeah, 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 totally. When you have, especially the simcha, it's also the... Yeah. 100%. Wow. You can go very, very slow, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and the yeah. opposite works okay. too. Exactly. Yeah. I'll tell you, you cannot attain Simcha without that Emunah. You cannot. It doesn't exist. Is that Emunah, by the way? Is that what is, is what Paul said Emunah? When you're like. 100%. When you're in this Indian of. Uh, Whoa, when you're in this Indian of Bakan. That's crazy. Because yeah. like, they talk about it a lot in, like, um, in psychology. It's called the flow state, mm-hmm. right? There's like a book on it, right? So there's really Emunah. Yes, it's above time. You're not, you're not recognizing, you're not recognizing what's going on here. Now, you're obviously, trusting the process. Totally. Letting Hashem take over. Hundred percent. Now, this wow. can happen in a bad or negative way, when you drink too much, for example, right? It's, a, it's actually a very practical thing. Amenu says, a person should understand that a person shouldn't drink beyond his capabilities. A person should never drink beyond his capabilities. The only exception in rest of Torah that Amenu says is Purim. Purim is the only day where you go ham yeah, and you, you lose your dad. It was 100%. Rabbeinu on Shabbat would share a glass of wine with three students. Rabbi Chaykil and Rabbi Nathan. Rabbi Naftali and Rabbi Nathan. They would share the same glass. Like this, build up to the top. Yeah, Rabbi Nathan, Rabbeinu, and Rabbi Naftali would share the same yeah. glass. They wouldn't drink more this than that. This is uh, before COVID? <laughs> 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 we have to understand that there's ways to do an inclusion thing. True simcha is 100% involved in a munan above time. 100%. Wow, that's so... That's so, I was just thinking about it this week That when you just When when you just like When time flies You're just letting Hashem run the show totally. There's no like emotional attachment You're just letting Hashem trust Funny I never thought of it But yeah 100% yeah. true You see it Wow man That's crazy So let's see where he goes Let's finish it off So as we have Emet Emet and Munah and Simcha Now are like a triple relationship Totally Totally can you emulate uh, Benu and uh, share uh, with the other... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I continue? <laughs> so what did we say? You cannot attend between man except by emunah, except by faith. But know that the emunah that comes with Shabbat, one is able to merit and uh, attain this aspect of between man. No fine time. But no, I know what, what happened. From Shabbat, you can draw the holiness to all the six days of the week. Meaning now all your six days of the week are drawn with this holiness of Shabbat. Then now you can even within the six days of the week attain between the front. Why? Because of Shabbat, because of Emunah. What is Rabbi Nathan saying on a practical level time is? How do you know five time? When you ask when you get to the level of emunah, where you're involving yourself with this this emunah and Shabbat, now you won't fall into this aspect of servitude to the six days of the week. What are the six days of the week? All the desires that fall into this aspect of time. Sexual temptation, money, pride, honor, anger, all this stuff that Rabbi Nathan is saying here. Working for your money beyond the time that you need to, all these things which fall under time, which can now be nullified. Of, which are forms of slavery, which is like the person that's the slave. Definitely. This is all referring to this person who ends up working for six years. 
Because he decides not to work for Hashem, essentially. But what if you have a passion for what you do? Nothing wrong with having a passion for what you do. And you want to work hours. You want to work hours, but it's not because of the money. Because you just love it. No, but the but the root is but the root is what do you why? Because you, you love it. You enjoy the process <laughs> nah. of it. Okay, you but there's why? a lot of things. You don't see time anymore. Yeah, but, yeah, you don't see time. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Let's say a person. Let's say I love video games and I stream video games live and I make money doing it. It's my passion. I love it. I love it every single day. I do it for ten hours I'm a day. Passion. That's stimulating. No, it's a passion. I'm passionate about video games. I love the way they're developed. I love the graphics. I love everything about it. From from the graphics to the AI to the to the systems and how they're built to how the characters move to everything. Can it be that that is something that you glorify Hashem's name in it? Probably. Is it something that if you do too much of, is it potentially a waste of time? Also probably. So you can do this for anything. You can do this with a career. There's people that are passionate about law. Not that many people can imagine being passionate about law that you wake up at 6 a.m. to go do law work. But there are people that are passionate about it. There's people that are passionate about video games. There's people that are passionate about playing sports. There's people that are passionate about art. There's people that are passionate about everything. But there's a way to do things where you bring Hashem's and this enters more into bringing Hashem into the space. If you're doing something for yourself because it's an easy, it's the piece of chocolate, it's the I want this woman, I want this, I want this food, I want this, I want that, then it's not so much about Hashem and it's more about you. But if you're doing something because you've developed a passion that you love, but you glorify Hashem and you move through it and you ask for Hashem and you work with Hashem and you go through it and it's a way to make your life and a way to glorify Hashem's name in the world by making Kiddush Hashem then it's a way definitely that can be worked on so then I can, I can work for hours then you can work yes but it's but like I said it's a work that only you're going to know the answer to only you will develop an answer to this only you through your do through your conversations with Hashem because there's a balance there's a level in which today if you worked five hours it was too much and there's a day where if you worked five hours it was too little Based on your level, based on your time, based so on based your Based on the day, based on how you feel, it's based on a bunch of things. It's based on, on how you... scientific way of... There is no. There is no. Uh, the greater the emunah, by the way, the more you'll begin to rely on inyanim that are above nature. We literally just said it. Yeah. The more you're involved in faith, the more you're going to see things and miracles, right? Because everything is a miracle, even yeah. that those things which are nat- natural in it's itself. It's physical stuff. You're going to start relying on things which aren't necessarily within the realms of time anymore, right? Earning a panasa without working as much as you did before. Because this requires more faith. You cannot grow in faith and yet still earn the same amount of panasa the same way you did 10 years ago. Doesn't make sense. You slowly start to lessen and lessen and lessen. Lessen the panasa? Lessen in work. In work. No. Because you believe that Hashem is still going to provide for you even with five hours that are working compared to the 15 that you used to do before. So actually, you sold up the man. But you have to also do it on your way. Now, it doesn't mean you don't... by the door of the person, uh-huh. or the guy has to walk 10 miles to go get the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that you're not going to start working, because we all have to do this, yin-yang. we all have to go and earn our panasan, whatever it is that we have to do, pick it up. But the more we build with faith, the more we're going to find Hashem in our place, and He's going to guide us exactly where we need to be. We don't need to worry about how much we're working, how much we're not working, as long as we want to be in the place of faith. As long as we strengthen ourselves in Emunah, we pray, we do the things that we need to, Hashem is going to guide us perfectly exactly where we need to be, how much work we're doing. If a person is not doing it, but if he's not praying properly, if he sees that he's worn out, this is something different. You have to work on building your faith. Because the lack of faith is the fact that you're falling into these things. The more a person builds faith and the more he gains consistency, the more he builds and he progresses and he progresses and he progresses, the more he'll 
tend to see that he doesn't need that much anymore in the physical realm and he's more transfer onto the spiritual. But this happens over time. <laughs> Years of work. Yeah. Oh, at, of course at our own level because it's not meant for you, for a person or for me or whatever it is to just go and sit in my room and just pray all day because that's doing something beyond my, my level right now. I'm not at that level yet. I don't believe in it fully. See what I'm saying? Build up slowly. Totally. Slowly, slowly. And this is what Rabbi Nathan's saying. This is where we finish off. This is why this servant fell into the aspect of slavery. And why he has to fall. Why he has to serve for six years and not seven. Because what did we just say? The six years represent the six days of creation. That is exactly where servitude comes into place. Because what happens on these six, these six days of creation? The six days of creation received their sustenance from these traits. Which what, what, did we, what did we say is that intellect. But not every person merits true that until he removes time from the equation. Until and what is time? Slavery. Whenever the second you fall under time and fall under the servitude of this world, is you're falling under this union of slavery. Six years you shall work. But on the seventh year, you shall go out free. Which means what? On Shabbat, there's a big illumination called Emuna. Faith. On this day, everyone's able to merit this aspect of where time is nullified. This is where slavery is nullified. On Shabbat. So you're understanding the entire operation of why the, slavery, why the slave goes out free on the seventh year. Is because he needs to repair all the six midot that he just did before. All the fact that he fell in death. With Zman, with Shabbat now, that he's able to go out free, he's entering an aspect of faith now, that is able to draw down a dot that is much higher than the one he fell in. He's going to repair the dot that he fell in. Because above time and space is this aspect of freedom. This is Shabbat. Shabbat draws down the faith that gives you the opportunity to nullify time. And what is time? Slavery. We become slaves to all this stuff around us, whether that's working too much or whether that's falling into this desire or pride or anger. All this stuff is a form of slavery. Rabbi Nathan saying these are all tavot that fall under Zman. Second, we enter into an aspect of Emunah, we begin to nullify all these things. And also, it's, it's actually incredible. That's why you see in the story that if the man comes in with a wife, he's allowed to leave with the wife. And if he comes in single, he leaves single. But if he gets and marries the Goya, then they stay. Why? Because based on the ideas that Moshe was sharing and based on the, the parables I was giving earlier, when you look at your relationship with Hashem as this marriage, that you come and you show up and you develop this dot, you develop this imuna with Hashem, right? Where you develop this loving relationship that Hashem is always going to give to you and you're always willing to give to Hashem. You now show up to the slavery because you show up to your tavot. And Rabbi Nathan is explaining explicitly over here, this is falling to the lower realms of the earth, it's falling to the midot of the, of the goyim, it's falling to the aspects of the goyim, it's falling to your tavot, it's falling to everything. He says, if you're going to make a different God for yourself, he says, if you come in with your wife, which is the aspect of Hashem, you can leave with her. Because this is like being with Hashem. It's like you fell to some tavot, but then you come back to Hashem. So you return. If you came in single, you leave single. But only if you're married, only if you're married to Hashem and you find yourself in a dark place, 
which is the aspect of the man, which is the, the groom essentially, that he finds out that his wife cheats on him, is like this Jew. So Hashem says what? He says, only if you're married to me, then you can marry this Goya. But then she stays. Why? Because this is not her, your true husband. And you know what the biggest chidush is? Because there's no logic here. This is the sod. Is that if you're married to Hashem, Hashem accepts us back because when we say that we fell and we sinned, it wasn't truly us. I got with the Goya, but it wasn't really me. It wasn't out of love. Those kids, that woman, it is not rooted in Ju it's not rooted in Judaism. And now I come back to my original relationship. This is the returning back to Hashem. This is the returning back to the original wife. Only if you have the previous wife, only if you have a relationship with Hashem, then you can have an entering into the situation where in this form, whenever you fall to the stavot, when you weren't supposed to be a slave and you were a slave, then Hashem says, okay, you fell. But then you can return back to Hashem after. And the returning happens in the seventh year. It happens specifically in the aspect of Shabbat. It happens specifically by the concept of the Sadiq. It happens specifically in this form of peace. That you achieve peace after you leave and you understand that everything happened to you for a reason. This developed your emunah. And this developed the ability to come back and return to Hashem. Hmm. We didn't really explain this in Yana why it was a completely different Nikodah. I made a mistake. But <laughs> this idea of why we... From Hashem, man. Yeah, I mean, look... It, Rabbi Natan goes into something else completely, but it's exactly what he's saying. This idea you have to be attached to Hashem. This is Emunah. Emunah is... The only reason why we're here is for Emunah. Rabbi Nachman, his entire end of his life, he began saying that, I'm here to begin to reveal to the world this Inan of Emunah. Emunah, people think, is a small thing, but I consider it a very great thing, Rabbi Nachman said. Everything he did in the last few years of his life, the last few years of life, of his life, especially when he contracted tuberculosis, was all to build faith of Jewish people. That's also Everything. the stories, the, the first story of the 13 tales, which is the last revelations of Rabbi Nachman, which is the highest elevations of Rabbi Nachman, which is all mm. just, it, it's all just stories of incredible revelation, that just the stories themselves, they wake us up from slumber, as Rabbi Nachman said, he says, since I see that you guys are sleeping, now I'm going to share with you stories to wake you up. The first story is the story of Emunah. With the princess? The lost princess. It's, yeah. a whole, it's the story of the Muna. It's a story of our Neshama being lost and then returning back to the king. That's crazy. It's a story of the Muna. He begins with the Muna. He begins with the aspect of the Muna. He gets lost during six days and returns on Shabbat. This so is if you the, have the Muna during the, during the week, the Shabbat. There's so many in references the, into, that, into, that, into that lesson that have well, to do with a lot of these ideas and stuff like that. And there's many different Kutelachots on this week's Pasha on, on, on these ideas as well. But Moshe is right that. The, the whole essence of all of this is true. You see many people speak today and you go to most shiurim and you listen to most rabbis speak and stuff like that and many people do not want to talk about the idea of having simple emunah. It's childish almost. It's the way that you teach little kids. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it is, is because there's no tangible win at the end of it. You cannot quantify it. You cannot qualify it. That's why they also don't want to talk about tefillah. It's not cool to sit down in a shiur Torah and start to tell people, guys, let's talk about Tehilim. Let's do a little bit of Tehilim right now. Nobody's interested in that. They want to see how deep it was. You know, back in the day, whenever they used to grab kids for yeshivot, they used to look at kids whenever they were very young, they recruited them based on how intelligent they were. Oh, this person's the best one. It's like today, the school system, like Yosef was saying earlier, we generate systems that reward a good behavior, bad behavior. The this system, is what makes a good Jew. This is what makes a bad Jew, right? It's Messed these up. systems that don't develop the principal foundational pillars of our religion, which is exactly what he's saying over here. Develop this imuna. 
sit down, read the books in simplicity. It's not like we said in the beginning of the class to go into these mystical meditations about elevating through the worlds and stuff like that. There's people that gave Torah on that. It's very elevated. No one today understands it. We have a Torah now that can do the exact same thing and the exact same level reaching without having to do all those meditations, but through simple love, through simple relationship building. There is not a greater thing that a Jew can do today than he to do it. There is not a greater thing. There is not a greater thing that a person can do with their time. Mm. Because it is the epitome of sitting down to have that relationship where the son comes back to the dad and he tells him, let me spend time with you right now. There is not a greater joy, there is not a greater smile that can be put on Hashem's face than a Jew saying, right now I'm going to spend time with you. And only with you. That nothing else is more important. That the work is not important. That the friends are not important. That the video game is not important. That nothing else is more important. Not even your Torah is more important than me sitting down with you right now and building a relationship with you. Torah is a different way to build a relationship with Hashem. And Tefillah is a different way to build a relationship with Hashem. And a mitzvah is a different way to build a relationship with Hashem. But he bodidut is the pnimiyut, it is the emet lamito, it is the entrance, it is the door that nobody else opened, that now is the deepest way and the holiest way to be able to speak to Hashem and build a relationship with Hashem. It is literally the essence of everything. Mm. Faith. It is complete emunah. Shkaya. Yeah, that's what the Avodah, uh, yeah. they would talk to Hashem all day long. Definitely. This is the Avodah. This is the Avodah. And it's not an Avodah that, that results in, in one the simple solution. Great grandmothers were doing, great grandmothers were doing. Totally. In the kitchen cooking for Shabbat. Yeah. For my little kid, for my grandkid, and I want this, and I want that, and buy the mezuzah, yeah. and talk to Akadosh Baruch Hu, yeah. and I go straight to Shammai. Yeah. It was simple faith. Simple, simple faith. Mm -hmm. It was simple faith. There was no sophistication. There was no intelligence behind any of it. Yeah. At the highest level, we need to return. We need to return back to this. And in removing these layers, we will actually find that more and more of Hashem in our lives. This That's is the key. This is the key and the and the and the best route to do it. There's other routes. This is the best route. Maybe we have the merit. God willing. Amen. 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 Amen.